Welcome back to another episode. This episode's guest is Brendan Rerick. Brendan is a husband, father, strength coach, public speaker, teacher, author, business owner, bookworm, and most importantly, an ice cream lover. Seriously though, beyond these labels, Brendan's purpose for living is the following. To make exercise the number one prescribed drug in the world, to spread the positive byproducts of movement and coaching as far as he can, and to collect moments, not things. Any decision he faces is put up against these values, and if it doesn't align, he doesn't do it. Because life is not about what we have, but who we share it with. And I gotta say, Brendan, that is an absolutely outstanding bio, so fair play for putting that together. On this episode, Brendan and I discuss the following topics. We discuss Brendan's background, Brendan's thoughts on communication as a coach. I asked Brendan how he improved his communication skills. We discussed coaching burnout. We discussed fatherhood. And finally, I asked Brendan, how does he learn? This was a great discussion with Brendan, guys, and I hope you really enjoy it. All right, Brendan, thank you so much for making time. I can't believe this is our first ever podcast. Uh, Hey, you just told me you've been on for 11 years. And yeah, the first time I'm on here. So <laughs> I think we've known each other for about that long too. I'm just thinking 11 years and I've had no assassination attempts. I'm not doing too bad. <laughs> and you're be- doing better than some. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, your story is phenomenal. Just, you know, coaching wise and then obviously just with your own personal life. And like, I suppose anyone that listens to any of my podcasts knows that coaching is only a small element of what I talk about. Like I talk about everything. So you're just an individual I just really wanted to get on and someone I wanted to come on and share a story. Um, so tell us, who are you? Um, like, give us your background, where you are now. And you can do this too. Well, you can do this any way you want, but most people go two ways. They start, they go from the very beginning and they go up to the present day. Yeah. And some people do a reverse engineer job. Well, I'm here now and this is how I got here. So take it away. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take the, the first version where I'll tell you how I started and then where I am now. Uh, I played sports my entire life, everything under the sun. I fell in love with American football, uh, not the one that you use your feet with. <laughs> and when I realized I wasn't going to go to college to play Division I uh, or I wasn't going to go to the NFL, uh, I figured the best way to win a Super Bowl ring was to be a coach. And I loved the weight room. I loved the process. I was a decent athlete that made himself a very good athlete uh, in the weight room. And that was kind of how I elevated myself above everybody else was with uh, one, understanding and knowing everything I could possibly know about the game. And then two, physically going to the gym six days a week for two hours a day. I loved it. It was my life. Uh, And I actually went to college originally as an engineering student. And when I was in calculus, like eight, nine, and 10, and it was land surveying and properties and concrete were my freshman classes. I quit and switched right to strength and conditioning or kinesiology, the study of human movement. And I, because I was like, I can't, I can't do that the rest of my life, but I can definitely be in the gym the rest of my life. So that was uh, my early story when I was uh, high school and college. While I was at college, I met uh, Kevin Carr, who if you, anyone who's not familiar with Kevin, he's been at my foil strength and conditioning, I think probably for almost 12 years now, maybe 13. And he basically had my dream job when I was, and when I was in college, the thing to do was read T nation. T nation was where all the best articles were, all the best writers were. That's where coach Boyle, Dan, John, Eric Pressey, um, Jim Wendler, they were all writing for T nation. And I was obsessed with everything that they were writing. And then I met Kevin and it was kind of like the movie Step Brothers where they're like, did we just become best friends? And the second he told me he worked at Mike's, I was like, I got to get in there. And we became best friends in college. Uh, I interned at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning my senior year of college. And actually I applied to be uh, an intern four times before I actually got the internship. Um, What I didn't know at the time is that you needed to either know Nicole Rodriguez or Steve Bunker in order to get in for the internship. Um, And I only knew Kevin. 
And so Kevin got me in by the fifth time I applied. And it's kind of history from there. I, I started out as one of three interns. The other two quit literally within the first week. And there was a 6 a.m. group in the morning that nobody wanted to take because it was at 6 a.m. And Bob Hansen said, uh, hey, Brennan, if you want to work, I'll pay you 20 bucks to take the 6 a.m. group. And I started working there within three weeks, maybe four weeks of my internship because nobody else wanted to take that group. So that was kind of, I was doing my internship and getting paid 20 bucks a week to train this one group, actually 40 bucks a week because it was twice a week. Um, and then I, I started making, and bike foils, trains, conditioning, as you know, Robbie, is a stepping stone for to go somewhere else. So within two years of being there, I had gone through probably 25 coaches, which made me and Kevin the kind of head coaches there where we were running the internship, we were writing the programming, we were doing everything that we could possibly do there. And fast forward a couple years after that on year five, Kevin and I went to massage school and we opened up our own massage business because we saw the need for more hands-on work. And we didn't necessarily want to go back to PT school. Uh, we wanted to still be able to work and PT school would have meant we'd have to quit boils and pay around 150 to $200,000 to go back to school. And it was just not something we wanted to do. So we did night school uh, for massage therapy. Um, we did that for 18 months at night after work and on our, all our weekends. And then we, that led us to opening Movement as Medicine, which is still in existence today. Uh, I think that's on year eight. So that lives right inside of Boyle. So we look at it as a, a feeder system or we'd bridge the gap. So uh, you come in, see us, we work on your shoulder. Does your shoulder move better? Yes or no. Here's some exercises. Here's what not to do in the groups uh, or with your personal trainer at MBSC and come and see us X number of times or next week and we'll work on it again and keep improving. And the goal is to let the dove fly away. So we don't want to see you again if we don't have to. Um, from there, uh, we're on what year seven at MBSC. Uh, I have a, we'll just say life-changing event. I don't want to, <laughs> well, we could talk more about that if you'd like. I have a life-changing event. I moved to California, give up uh, my stuff at MBSC, moved to California. I kind of reinvent myself and then I reinvent my business uh, and start one-on-one -on -one training in San Francisco. And I've moved all around the Bay in the last seven years. Uh, right now, I live about an hour east of Oakland where I run uh, I do about 30 sessions a week out of my garage because of uh, COVID, right? And that's, a, that's usually a lot, it's a lot of people's answers now in the last two years. Uh, I do this now because of COVID. Uh, so I, I, I train a good amount of people out of my garage. I do some online training. I work with a high school football team. Um, that is, we are in the midst of that American football. So I'm kind of coming back full circle. That's what got me into it. I didn't work with football at all for the first 14 years of my career. And now I'm the strength and conditioning coach of a high school football team. Uh, I will win a Super Bowl someday at some point, somehow. I don't know how that's going to be, but it'll come. It'll come. And I'm just playing the long game. Uh, so that's what I'm currently doing. There's a lot of other little businesses and products and stuff like that sprinkled in throughout the way. Uh, again, I had a couple major life events both uh, physically with my health um, and also uh, with my family. Uh, I have a seven-year-old daughter now and that's, that's where I'll leave it. I think that was probably a good five minutes. So wherever, whatever jumping off point we're going to go from there, I'm happy to dive, dive deep. No, that's, that's brilliant. Uh, just uh, a little uh, follow-up to your NFL aspirations. Do you have a particular team that you want to win that Super Bowl with? No, I, it, I just want the ring, and I want to know, know what the experience is like. Uh, I mean, I'm a Patriots fan, um, and I would love to go back and live in Boston because I'm still in, on the West Coast. 
and I don't like the weather there. So I don't know. I, it might be a, a warm weather team now. <laughs> I don't really care though, as long as I get one. So not the Detroit Lions. That's what we're saying. <laughs> no, probably not the Detroit Lions. They haven't won one in maybe ever or a while. <laughs> they've never, they've never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, never. I, I didn't think they had, but. No, no, they didn't. No, it won't be the Detroit. Hey, you know what? If they come knocking, though, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> yeah, what, what's it? The head coach, Dan, is it Dan? His name's escaped me now. Campbell, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. So, Dan Campbell, if you're listening, Brendan, Brendan's willing to give a service. <laughs> um, so, just with regards to sticking with your coaching journey, you know, you're very, I suppose, in a, the most simplest way to put this is we talk about the science of coaching and we talk about mm-hmm. the art and you know, and again, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But you, from just me looking from an outside perspective, you really seem to have evolved your own sort of processes with regards to this art of coaching, you know, human communication. And so do you just want to touch on that? Like, how how have you changed? How have you evolved? What have you, like, look reflecting back from where you are now to when you did start as an intern at Boyles, what has changed in your coaching I think the biggest thing is in the beginning of my career, I'm, I was very X's and O's, very let's write the perfect program. I, I would spend hours and hours of my time on writing the perfect program, which, which we know doesn't exist, but I thought it did. And I would not spend enough time on my intangibles or what you're calling the art of coaching. Um, I've always been personable. Uh, I was like, the, I was the captain of my football team. Uh, so I've, I've, I've been a leader. I know how to lead, but I didn't know how, and I knew how to lead from a, uh, do as I do perspective. So I could show you how to lead with my actions, but I didn't know how to tell you or explain it. Um, and I didn't really use my voice very much. And, um, the, enthusiasm was probably where I lacked the most at the beginning of my career. So like all day, again, I, I, I could come in and I I could put the program on the whiteboard. I could watch you move and I could fix your squad. I could, I was really, really good with that stuff. But when it came to like getting people motivated, the Nicole Rodriguez clap, like, let's get people going. uh, Let's influence or motivate that was not my cup of tea it's still not my forte and it's something I've had to work on a lot uh, and almost force myself into those uncomfortable uh, learning opportunities and positions Um, I've recently wrote a book uh, it's not recent anymore two years two years ago I wrote a book called coaching rules and rule number one or the first subset of rules is communicate clearly. Um, And that was definitely something I had to learn and I had to continue to learn and I had the most trouble with because I could, I loved the science. I loved watching people move and then watching them move better, but how to communicate that in a proper way. And then in a way that influences and motivates people to do those things. So I was very much, I would say 90% science in the beginning and 10% art. And it was just based off of my personality and being able to kind of connect with people. But I didn't have in the beginning that, that presence that you need to have on the floor um, or that presence that you need to have in order to get people to, to listen to you, to follow you, to take what you're telling them and, and do it. Um, so I could explain it very very well in scientific terms but i couldn't convey it to either the trainers that were working for me the interns that were working for me or to my members or clients well enough uh to get people to stick to it Um, so that's that's probably what i've spent most of the last 10 years working on because the first the science stuff came to me real easy that's what i was obsessed with um, that's how I personal, that's how I trained myself for football. And like I said, I was reading every single article and book, uh, super training, uh, that stuff's all great, but if you can't 
convey it <laughs> and you can't get other people to do it, uh, all your knowledge is, is pretty useless. So that, that was my personal journey and where I struggled probably the most. Um, and I've had to learn how to be enthusiastic. I've had to learn how to communicate uh, what it is we need to do in, in many different ways for many different people over the last 10 years. I can 100% resonate with the Nicole Rodriguez experience. Cause it, yeah. and, and, uh, and in fact, like Nicole, I, I said this to multiple um, people, like in terms of coaching, the ability to convey a message to an athlete, the ability to demonstrate, and communicate, she is like up there with the best I've ever seen. She's absolutely phenomenal. And without question made me a far, far superior coach as well. Um, and it's something I'm always grateful for. Like, don't get me wrong. And she'll, she'll definitely, uh, say the same thing like we we used to butt heads all the time and kill each other because we're both very stubborn personalities but that was just that's her way of showing her love for you like if she didn't think mm -hmm. you were worth the time she'd never she, she wouldn't bust your balls like and i'm i'm forever um grateful to her and she's a phenomenal phenomenal coach um and then just another thing to what you said there communication is so tough because it is so subjective in that mm -hmm because we all have our own perceptions of reality and we all see the world in, in through our own lens. So what we think we're conveying, like we have no idea how the individual or the individuals that we're communicating with are actually perceiving our message. And that's why like language is actually a very poor medium to communicate through. Like the, the only truest communication we have so far is maths. Like that's the only, that's the closest objective language we actually have because you can be a, you can be a, an engineer or a physicist or a mathematician and it doesn't matter if you if you're spanish or chinese or irish or american or brazilian or russian one like maths there is no it's very little yeah. subjectivity to it but when it comes to language there's like even within like like i'm irish you're american and we both speak quote unquote english but like we would still have issues with communication because of our cultural backgrounds and certain right. sayings and mannerisms so it is very very even tough. like i said even just the word football right football is different for both you and i yeah like <laughs> but math five a five to five and four times five is yeah absolutely absolutely so uh, just and then finally with that brendan like is there anything specific you can tell us that you did to improve that over the last 10 years or so? Is there, did you, is it just something that, did you read more literature on it? Did you attend any sort of courses on it? Like, um, like, did you, like, what did you do to invest more time and energy into developing that aspect? So uh, reading was number one. That was the easiest uh, for me to, to just start diving into the communication books and, and, aspects of training really it's psychology more than it is um <laughs> than it is actually communication it's psychology is what i dove into uh, there was no communication courses um that you you could take you know, 10 years ago now there is with uh with art of coaching with brett bartholomew uh, my wife jenny uh, has a course that's called fit to speak um, i did take public speaking courses and I did do Toastmasters. So those were very, very helpful. Um, so Toastmasters is pretty much free. It's like $100 a year and you go once or twice a week and you stand up there and you present and speak on different topics. Uh, it just gets you comfortable with being in front of a group. Um, I did do Tom Plummer's speaking course. And so I did do a couple courses, but they were public speaking courses. But again, that's, again, your ability to communicate your message and per, like you were saying, persuade uh, an individual who might have a different belief than you or might have different perspectives or um, because that's essentially what we're trying to do. We're selling. Um, nobody likes the word sales uh, or they don't want to be selling, but essentially you're selling your program and what you believe in your philosophy to the other individual that you need to get to buy in. Um, and then that's, that's where you get the benefit. Um, the other thing that I did was I'd film myself and I would watch myself coach. So actually in the book, coaching rules for communicate clearly, I encourage everybody to 
watch and watch yourself coach, film yourself coaching, pay somebody to take a video of you doing a group session, take a video of you doing a personal training session. Uh, the other thing you can do is you have YouTube videos. Uh, you can watch YouTube videos of yourself coaching and say, hey, I, I need to work on this. I need to get eliminate filler words. I need to end things in a statement instead of an inflection. Um, we have a course, Certified Functional Strength Coach, where you come and take the course the full day. And then at the end, you have to present. I, I, I call them the four Ps, right? So you have to prepare for the course. That's number one. So you got to come prepared. But then you need to participate, practice, and perform. So participate and practice the entire day. So you were talking about demos, right? So the ability to do and demo uh, can even be, like you said, with Nicole Rodriguez, can be even more powerful than words. Um, and when I go to another country and teach one of these courses, the most powerful thing I can do is show them physically because I don't speak their language and it's getting translated. But if I can demo it, it most likely will look like it's supposed to. And then at the end, coaching is a performance. Um, and if you want to get better at performing, you watch your performance or you have somebody else critique and watch your performance. So I say, I really highly recommend people taking a video or having somebody else video them, just like we would tell a professional athlete to watch tape on themselves or watch, watch a game or like watch game film. You should be watching game film of yourself. It's free. Everybody has an iPhone. doesn't cost you anything. Your coworkers will do it with you because everybody gets better. Uh, and then in the book, I have my 32, I have 32 communicate, communication rules. And what you do is you go through each rule and say, okay, did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Do I not do this? Do what? And then pick the top three things you need to improve on. So again, are they, you need uh, better posture, you need to project your voice more, and you need to use less filler words. Right. So that might be your three out of 32. Uh, and every, again, everybody's going to be a little bit different, have different things that they could be working on. So uh, I, I didn't, I did it kind of organically. Um, I never set out to be like, film me and then I'll improve on this. Every time I would present uh, for Mike's mentorships, or I would present at a CFSC, or I would present at Perform Better, I filmed myself or had somebody film me and then I watched it over again uh, every time I used to do podcasts I would listen to the podcast over again and write down what I could have improved xyz I need to do less of this I need to explain this better um, so I think Mike it, it was coach Boyle I believe he said that one of the best things uh, that he ever did to become a better coach was write and speak because when you write and speak, it forces you to logically or to pare down all of your thoughts and beliefs into a simple, consumable form. Um, so I guess short answer, or sorry, that was a long answer. In short, read books on psychology. Uh, maybe take a presentation course or uh, go to Toastmasters where they like, they actually teach you and give you feedback on your ability to present, watch game film of yourself and then start writing or presenting um, because it'll force you to logically or to again, simplify your message in a way that you can convey it so that everybody can consume it. Um, and I get this took me, I mean, I'm on year 14, so don't think this can be done in a year. Um, but those those were probably the four, three or four big things that I did to improve my communication. Um, and then imposter syndrome is a real thing. I just want to take a note on that. Is I think anybody who's actually good at what they do has imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome means you care or you give a shit about being better or about the product that you are providing. So don't be afraid of imposter syndrome. Everybody who is really, really good at what they do has it. <laughs> I still have imposter syndrome. Sometimes I think I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be on this podcast. I shouldn't be standing up here presenting. I shouldn't be 
the high school strength coach. I do. I don't actually know what the hell I'm doing. I, I, those thoughts come up sometimes, um, but it, it's very real. You will, that means you care. So keep pushing through um, and you will get better. So I, I had a lot of imposter syndrome early on in my career. Um, and, and I had to come to the realization that uh, imposter syndrome just means that I care a lot and I care a lot about being better and being the best I can be uh, for my, my members, my athletes, and for the industry and for myself and my family. So uh, a little side note there, because I, I always, I think imposter syndrome gets a bad rap and people want to find a way to avoid it. You're not, if you're any good at what you do, you don't avoid it. You embrace it and you use it as motivation to get better. So imposter syndrome and is, is cool with me because <laughs> I have it. And so does anybody who's really, really good that I've met in this industry, but really any industry has it because it, it pushes you to a whole new level. Then you find out that nobody knows anything. Nobody has a clue what they're at. Yep. <laughs> we don't. It comes full circle. Yeah, you find out everybody has no idea what. We don't really know what we're doing. The answer is, it depends. The answer is always, it depends. <laughs> or, well, Stu McMillan would say that the start to every answer, it depends, and then we'll have, then we'll have our conversation. It's, uh, it's funny, <laughs> with, with imposter syndrome, I don't know why, but that apparently that drives Be Brett Bartholomew nuts. He's like, it's not imposter syndrome, it's imposter phenomenon. He's like, syndrome means you have a disease. Yeah. He calls he calls impossible. Agreed. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't heard him say that. I like that. Okay. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard him say that ages ago, and I was like, hmm, I actually yeah. never. Yeah, so I never actually really looked into. Yeah, it. I was like, is, you know, is is he technically correct? That I actually I couldn't fully say right now. So, but but you know, no, Just no reframing it, right? It, reframing it into something that's uh, more positive. Yeah. Finally, on the uh, on sort of the the coaching thread that we're on here. I actually was speaking mm -hmm. to Anthony Donskoff yesterday and and just obviously speaking to speaking about Brett there because this will kind of um in incorporate a lot of the work he's put forth over the last number of years. Coaching, if you want to call it in quotations, burnout, you know, so the longevity mm -hmm. of a coach. What have you done? You know, you said 14 years now, you're you're into your journey. What have you done so far in that 14 years? to try your best to maintain that sense of fulfillment day to day while coaching. Cause no doubt, like anything that like, listen, there, there, life is about contrast. Like, so it's absolutely a fruitless endeavor to try and be good and happy all the time, because if there wasn't bad and sadness, you would have nothing to contrast against good and happy. So they're completely, um, they're necessary emotions everything is necessary because you, you need that you, you need those contrasts to be able to navigate through life so they're necessary so basically the point I'm trying to make is you know you stop trying to make everything good because that's just not the way the universe works the universe needs contrast but just in terms of maintaining that sense of fulfillment and i'm, I'm purposely not using the word motivation i don't want to say how do you stay motivated because really like motivation is so superficial it's like what what we're always looking for is purpose and meaning and fulfillment and contentment you know happiness is just an emotion like sadness that they're fleeting what we're really looking for is that meaning and purpose so how have you sort of navigated that you know in your 14th year of your journey wonderful book by the way motivation myth if you've never if you've ever read motivation myth um basically it's it's not uh, Motive, like you said, motivation is fleeting, right? Like I go to a Tony Robbins event and I'm like, yeah, let's go Monday morning. Yeah. By Wednesday, I'm like, yeah. Friday, I'm like, I'm the same exact person again. All right. It's, it's the process, right? It's the process and the plan that keep you going and the process plan and purpose, right? You said, you mentioned purpose. So that's uh, Victor Frankl's uh, man's search for meaning, right? What, what is the purpose? So, uh, I have burnt out, I would say twice in my career. One was because uh, of a life event, right? So that took precedence over everything I was doing. I, I quit my job, uh, moved across the country, um, and I didn't work for an entire year. I had saved up enough money that I, I could 
not work for a whole year. And I took an entire year off because that first seven years of my career, uh, I didn't know how to take care of myself. Um, but I will say I wouldn't be where I am without working like I did for that first seven years. So this four hour work week BS doesn't exist. Um, stop looking for it. Now, there was another time about three years into my career where I was literally working from 4 a.m. till 9 p.m. And nobody made me do it except myself. Uh, I wore sleep as a badge of honor. I'd come in and be like, oh, I slept three hours last night. I'm already back here again uh, because I thought that was cool. Uh, not cool. Uh, I found that out uh, within three years. So uh, I've also had, I've been hospitalized with an anxiety attack. Um, I actually take anxiety medication every day now um, for that reason, but also due to my health scare, um, which is another story for another time. Uh, I, I, was, I used to operate at an eight after some physical stuff and some health stuff. I operated at an 11 and the medication brings me down to a five, right? So I, I needed some help. I, I sought out, um, I, I've done a lot of therapy. I, again, we stigmatize therapy, but if it's a sports psychologist to be a better athlete, it's totally cool. If I need a psychologist because I need help in my life, it's totally not cool. I don't, I don't know why that is. So I've had multiple therapists over a long period of time. Uh, one to help me balance. I don't like the word balance. I feel like you work and you play, you work hard and play hard. Right. So I work really, really hard. And then when I play, it's, <laughs> I'm not working. Um, you, you, you gotta, but I don't think, I don't believe there's balance. Uh, I just think there's a, there's a really cool book called, um, what it's a uh, power and full engagement. So managing energy, not time, it's managing energy. Right. So it's kind of this, the quote is, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend four hours sharpening my axe. So we need to spend more time sharpening the axe. And a job that takes some people 10 hours, if you can do it in six, right, because of the energy management, I, you're going to last a lot longer over a long period of time. Okay. So uh, section number four of my book is serve others. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. The section four of my book is serve others. Once I burned out, I started, I was playing the short game, right? I was cramming everything I possibly could in and trying to get on the fast track of success, whatever that is. Each individual is different. <clears throat> and I was physically uh, destroying myself playing the short game. After this and after my health scare, I said, holy shit, I gotta, I gotta start playing the long game, okay? When you serve others, you are playing the long game. And there's a book called Inside Out Coaching by Joe Ehrman, and he talks about the 20 year window. And they ask Coach Ehrman, he's, a, he's an American football coach. They say, coach, how good is your team this season? And he would say, well, you got to ask me in 20 years. And they'd say, why would we ask you in 20 years? And he said, well, uh, depending on what kind of uh, husbands, fathers, uh, community, uh, jobs that these, these kids have, in 20 years, I'll know how good of a coach I was, right? So he's playing the long game. It's not about, was your record nine and two this season? He's thinking about it from like, Am I making these 18, 19-year-old football players into good citizens and human beings 20 years from now? So, like, I had to start thinking, like, okay, what will matter to me in the next 20 years? Is it that I trained, you know, 10,000 people and slept four hours a night? Or will it be that uh, I had a 45-year career and I helped lots and lots of people reach their fitness and, and physical and athletic goals, right? Um, because the, the path I was on 
it was all about how much money I need, how many people I could train, uh, how many hours I didn't sleep, um, and throwing throwing almost all my relationships under the bus. Family didn't really matter. It was just success, success, work, 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 session, 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 session. Um, and part of this comes, I believe, with age, right? So you're, you're different in your 20s and you're going to be in your 30s. So as I got older, I realized, man, I got to start playing the long game here because my retirement year is 2055. So that means I have 33 more years of being in this profession if I want to retire doing it. Uh, that will mean I've been a trainer for 45 years. So if I want to do that, if I want to, if I want to play that long-term game, I better do a better job of managing my energy, not time, managing my energy, um, and then also getting my priorities straight. Um, so that was that was a big enlightening, and I had to have a personal health scare and a serious life change. Some people would call that rock bottom. Um, you could look at it like that. I had to have something serious happen were to, to force me to make this life change. Now, I'm hoping if you're listening to this, you don't need that to happen, uh, that you can head it off at the past. That's why I said, go to therapy. Therapy is a good way to, to stop it before it gets there. Think of it as preventative medicine. <laughs> do it now so that you don't have to do, suffer through what I did later. Um, but again, that's, that's just part of life. So sometimes you do need those things. Uh, to make those changes. Again, I wouldn't be where I'm at now without burning out in the beginning and, and all of that. So um, look at it from a long-term perspective. Think in 20 years, what will actually matter to you in 20 years from now, not what matters to you, right? So start 20 years, begin with the end in mind, and then work your way back to where you want to be now. Uh, one of the practice exercises I suggest in the book is to write your own uh, obituary, right? Just think about like, what do you want people to say about you? Uh, the other one I use is what do you want people to say about you at your retirement party, right? So when I'm at my retirement party, I want hundreds of clients to be, you know, around and then saying like, thanks for changing my life, blah, 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 blah. Like I don't, like the people with 1,000, you know, 100,000 Instagram followers and looks really, really good in spandex, they'll be gone out of the industry in the next three years. I've got 33 more. Like time will catch up with those people and their bodies and they won't look how they look anymore. And uh, your followers won't, they'll be following somebody else. Like I don't worry. I don't spend my time with the social media influencers. I don't let them bother me. Like they'll be in and out of the industry like that. And, you know, the next one's coming up and the next one's coming and the next one's coming. So I will be here for the next 33 years. <laughs> so again, play the long game and let that determine the short game. Don't play the short game uh, because it's a very, very uh, quick way to nowhere. So that would be my suggestion. That, that was my personal journey. Um, and again, I don't suggest, uh, serious life events or burning out if you can avoid it, but, uh, just know it, it, when you serve others and you give yourself away, coaching again is a performance and you give yourself to somebody, uh, just know that you've got to try to fill up your cup as well. Cause you can't pour from an empty cup. Great stuff. Great stuff. Really appreciate that answer. How has fatherhood changed you? One, it's not about me anymore. <laughs> um, that's the, again, energy management. That's the toughest part, I think, about being a parent or about fatherhood. Um, you give so much energy to your kids and they, they don't, they're <laughs> They don't, you brought them into the world. You, you owe them that they don't care that you're tired. They don't care that you didn't sleep last night. And so, uh, managing your energy, 
from that perspective and then having enough left over to give <laughs> to your clients and members uh it's tough it's very very tough and i think it just gave me a most of the people that i train are parents and it gave me that that perspective because when i was younger i'd say come on like you know get up at seven o'clock meditate have your eggs and your coffee and then come into the gym and then go home and get in a walk and when you got kids none of that shit happens i'm sorry but again it's not about you when you have kids you get up whenever they get up you got to make them breakfast the you got to get them ready. You got to get them shut. Like, yeah, great. Like, this, again, this is my this is my issue with a lot of things like the four hour work week or uh, a lot of these podcasts are saying, you know, get up at this hour, meditate for this long, do this uh, all before you start your work day. And it's like, when you're a parent, you just you can't do those things. Um, and if I didn't have kids, I might be able to, but the parents see that stuff and they think that's what they have to be doing in order to be healthy. Um, and that's, uh, again, that's, that's what I was perpetuating or, or, tell, or, or expecting from my adult members when I was in my twenties, cause I had no idea. I had no clue. Um, and I've just, it's given me a better perspective on, uh, what it's like in most of the people who are going to pay you money for training uh, have expensed their health in order to make that money and in order to pay you your personal training fees. Uh, and generally, they've done it while raising a family. So they've let themselves go. Because again, when you give that much energy to somebody else or to something else, it's it's it can be difficult to take care of yourself. So just be grateful that they're there doing it and trying to get it back and that you have the opportunity uh, to help this person uh, in, in that manner. And don't lower your expectations, um, but just understand that there are other things buying for their time. Um, and that that hour with you might be the only hour that they take for themselves that entire day. Uh, and that might only be twice a week. So they might only take two hours a week for themselves while they're pouring out the rest for everybody else. So again, parenting <laughs> is a lot like coaching and coaching is a lot like parenting uh, in that you're serving others and you're always giving, 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 giving. Um, so it, it can, that's why dad bod is a thing. Uh, it can be hard. That's why uh, Kevin and I probably have pretty good dad bots is we give, 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 and we do the minimal effective dose uh, for ourselves while we raise our families. Um, my daughter has taught me a lot about simplification uh, because she watches us in the gym. Uh, my One of my favorite stories to tell is she because we videotape ourselves doing exercises in the garage and then we put them on YouTube for our clients. So she's, she loves to take videos of herself coaching. Um, and she set up all the hurdles in the gym and she goes, okay, well over here you have uh, option. If you can't do this, you're, this is the option you have. And over here, if you want to make it harder that this is a challenge. This is a challenge over here. And I was like, oh my God, options and challenges are so much better than regressions and progressions. So much better. Like it's, we are clients are like, what's a regression? What's a progression? Like it's just trainer talk. But my daughter was smart enough to know like, oh, over here we have an option. Over here we have a challenge. And I'm like genius. So now I just use options and challenges. But it's stuff like that, that a child who see, just like you were talking about, sees the world differently and everything is novel and new and they simplify and they, they take only the essential. Uh, it's really grounded me having, having a child in my life. Uh, so it's grounded me uh, both uh, 
mentally, like in the mental space of, of training, but also in the mental space of my life, it's grounded me in a way that uh, not having a kid, I don't, I don't know if I'd be as grounded as I am right now. So it reminds me of uh, two people, Eric Cressy. Uh, when I asked him about fatherhood, he, he similar to what you said, he was, he was like, well, first thing it made me realize is how selfish I was. Cause he was like, we know when you're, when you don't have yeah. kids, you don't have kids, it's just all about you and your own time. And he's like, I have to get way more efficient at getting my stuff done. And uh, when you said that coaching is, is parenting and parenting is coaching, it reminded me of uh, Jazz Rondawa, who, who uh, is with the Sacramento Kings now. Um, and he used to be the head of, um, of um, performance therapy at Altus. And he said to me one day, he goes, do you have any books on parenting? And I was like, oh, you, like, are you and your wife are you about to have, you know, are you expecting? And he goes, no. And I was like, why do you want a parenting book? And he goes, because all I do is deal with kids all day long. And he just, he kind of, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of like did this sort of, you have to see me do this. But then he was like, you know, he did this gesture, like as if like to convey the landscape behind him, he, you know, brings his arm and says, because look at all of these children. And he was talking about the athletes. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, no, we're just adults are just big children. That's all. <laughs> this is yeah, you, it's made me a better coach by I, being a parent. I know uh, you got a client coming now, so uh, I'll just ask one more question. Um, yeah. You, you know, you, you're you're just uh, like myself and Kevin and many others we've mentioned here, an avid, avid, just life learner. So I'd really love to know what's your learning process. How how do you learn? So I'm a reader first. Um, I love to read or watch uh, and, and consume that. And I think the big thing is that I then use it. Um, I then implement it, use it, dive into it, and I become all consumed. So my big thing this year with the football team I've been doing is speed. So I've done speed training my whole life, but not to this degree. I bought lasers. I've read every single thing you could under the sun and watch everything you possibly could on speed training. Um, again, I, I had done all this stuff before, but mostly just through Mike and Mike would tell us kind of what we needed to know. And, but never to this degree where, where I'm now leading kind of the race. Um, so then the thing is reflect, right? So, I like to say, learn, apply, reflect, repeat. Learn, apply, reflect, repeat. Uh, so then I go back and now that I have all these spreadsheets and all this data and I've been doing uh, not just one or two types of sprints, I've been doing eight or nine different types of sprints with our football players. Um, and I'm trying to now, and now I'm going back through the data and saying, okay, like, this is the one that we want to keep. This is the one we want to get rid of. This is the one that tells us what position would be best for this kid. Uh, so now I'm, I'm diving into the data. So now I've applied it. I'm diving into the data. And now the next thing will be the season. Now we're going in season. So now I get to repeat it, but in season and then next season, Right. So that'll be the repeat part. Again, I'm playing the long term game here, knowing that I have multiple seasons in a row, not just the short term. Um, so, yeah, I learn, apply, reflect, repeat. Those are my my big four. So, again, I get really excited about something like you were saying. The motivation to, to dive in and then I go for it and then that's what I become all consumed by the process and the purpose of it. Um, and so, yeah, right now that's, that's where I'm at. And each, each year it seems to be like almost a different phase. So two years ago, it was because of COVID. It was like, how do I, how do I become the best online trainer I can possibly be? Uh, before that was more of the communication stuff, diving into that before that was, so again, uh, I find resources on it. Again, those resources can be books, videos, or courses. And then I apply it to what I, and I always tell people that I, I don't change what I'm doing. I just sprinkle it into what I already do. So I sprinkle it in and then I reflect and think, okay, this is what I want to keep. This is what I want to change. This is what I want to apply again. 
and then we repeat that process over and over. Uh, at some point, you feel like you've mastered it or you've you've sucked the uh, <laughs> the sponge dry. Um, and I'm not there yet with speed training. Um, I mean, I don't think I've sucked communication dry or programming dry, but like I have a pretty good hand handhold on those. And I think when diving deep into something like, for example, speed, it makes my communication better. It makes my programming better. Um, so that's kind of how I operate. I, I, I pick, I, not that I pick one thing, it's that something comes to me, an opportunity comes to me and I, I dive all in and I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed right now with figuring out how to make football players or athletes faster. I really like that. Uh, yeah, so you, you're a learn, learn, apply, reflect, and uh, repeat. That's a lovely like loop. It, you know, in my head, yeah. I, I see like John Boyd's OODA loop, and I just like replace it with your one. It's, 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 a, it's a nice loop you got going there. You should uh, definitely yeah. um, try or get a copyright on that and have it as a t shirt. I should. I actually, every time I sign a book, that's what I, I sign the book is learn, apply, reflect, repeat. Thanks for reading, uh, Coach Brennan Rierick. That's brilliant. So, Brendan, uh, and the real life of a coach, you've a client coming in six minutes. So, just for the listeners, where can they find out more about you if they want to connect? Uh, the best place is so if you type in at Coach Brendan Rear, that will bring you to all of my social medias. If you want to connect with me personally, uh, the best way to do that is brendanreerick at gmail.com. So, brendanreerick at gmail.com. Uh, don't DM me. I really, I use social media to post stuff. I don't really go on it and talk to people <laughs> or comment or anything. Uh, I just post stuff on there for the websites and all that. So, or brendanreerick.com works as well. Brendanreerick.com or brendanreerick at gmail.com. Great. So I'll, I'll have all that linked up in the show notes. So for everyone listening until Great. next time, take care, be well, and stay strong. Mm-hmm.